0: so hi there welcome to commercial real estate eyes wide open podcast i'm ann hambley the host and today i am very happy to have with me kevin bupp got lots of fun things to talk with kevin about and we're very happy to hear him he has his own um podcast and so before i get into any further uh questions or anything welcome kevin and thanks for having me i am excited to be here for sure (laughs) thank you so I, I was reading as you probably do too, before you start these, I read about your, I read your bio again, and I loved how you said uh, you, I think you're the first one I've read that you've been an entrepreneur your entire life. And that's, I don't think I've ever met anybody that's done that. you when I read your bio, I have to tell you, it made me, it made me happy. <laughs> I, I think you have such a fun, interesting um, a life actually I'll say. And so tell us a little bit about, about yourself. Yeah, no,
1: no, and I appreciate that. And you know, the funny thing is, uh, entrepreneur was not a cool word back then, right? It was (laughs) kind of like, this. Yeah, what are you? What are you doing? Go, go, go to school, get a job, do that thing, right? Like, stop, stop worrying about uh, making money at a young age. Anyway, so for me, I, I grew up in a very. A great, great household. I mean, mom and dad both worked, um, you know, and uh, we had everything to me that that we needed, you know, to a certain extent, um, you know, but, you know, we were, you know, middle class, and, you know, my mom worked the third shift, so we didn't have to get a sitter, you know, when the kids were home, so my dad and her, like, didn't see each other all that often, but they did what they had to do, and again, it's all relative when you're that age anyway, but what I did realize is that um, at a young age, there were certain things that that little boys want: bicycles, you know, dirt bikes at a certain age, mow control cars, things like that. Just, and you either had to wait for Christmas to come, and more likely, you probably still wouldn't get all that, or you could, you know, to me, figure out a way to actually pay for it. So I think that's really what spawned my entrepreneurial journey. Is I want these items. Um, there's a good chance I'm probably not going to get them unless I figure out a way to actually pay for them myself. And so, you know, from mowing lawns to shoveling snow. To having a paper route at, at the age of twelve, and installing car, learning how to install car stereos into my brother's friends' cars when that was a cool thing back in the day, and just whatever I could do to you know to, to create a side hustle and actually make some money for myself so that I could turn around and buy the things that I wanted, and ultimately that spawned into many other businesses over the years. You know more specifically uh, into real estate, which <clears throat> which I got into at the age of nineteen. Um, I always joke and say that real estate kind of found me; I didn't find it and uh, just, I guess, being at the right place at the right time and uh, met a, uh, a gentleman who became my mentor um, in the town I grew up in. He was you know 25 or so years older than I and just uh, had a very different lifestyle than what I was used to growing up. He had a lot of flexibility in his daytime schedule. Mm-hmm. I would see him, you know, in between hours of nine and five, which was not normal because <laughs> my parents were always at work and uh, drove a different type of vehicle than what I was what I was used to. And just, you uh, seemed to carry himself differently. And, and I was intrigued enough that, um, you know, we just talked a lot, became friends and, and ultimately, you know, uh, within a short period of time, he took me under his wing, or I guess you say I worked for him for free for a year and a half. I mean, I, in between, in (laughs) between, yeah, I, yeah, he didn't take me under his wing. Basically I had to actually do something. So between going to school, um, local community college and uh, attending bar in the evenings to, to kind of make my way, um, I was either in the field or in his office or doing whatever he needed to be done, um, just so I could, you know, through osmosis, kind of learn what it is he did, because it was overwhelming to me and it was it was a completely new world. And so that that was the start of it. I bought the first property at the age of 20 after kind of being with him and, and working with him for about a year and a half. And then uh, fast forward now to you know uh, I guess 23 years later, I've been. At it full time, um, have owned just about every type of of asset, starting with single family. You know, built up quite a big portfolio of single family properties at a young age, and started buying multifamily, and then basically every other type of commercial, from office, retail, self storage, medical office, and um, and and pretty much everything in between. So uh, that brings us up to today, and today we focus uh, primarily on mobile home parks that we have for the last decade, as well as Parking assets, so parking garages and uh, and parking lots. So
0: okay, a very My condensed goodness, version that,
1: there.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's really interesting. I, I I don't think I don't know, but I love how your mind how you at such a young age saw the difference in people that you know had their own schedule versus people that went to work. I I grew up also in a middle-class, you know, um, mom and dad both worked and, and basically taught at, like you probably were at that, even in your generation, I'm obviously a much older generation than you, but we were taught absolutely that you, you know, you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, right? You go somewhere and get a job. And there was no such thing as kind of working on your own. I it just wasn't anything in my uh, brain at the time. So imp- impressive that you did, you recognize that early on and, and chose that as your Way to make money. That's amazing. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I I
1: had a slightly different upbringing. Neither one of my parents went to um, formal, uh, for, formal, you know, formal college or, or you know, post high school education. My dad went to some technical school for a few months, and and my mom not. And neither did my grandparents. And so that was not ingrained to in me at all. I obviously had friends that, that you know, in high school that had their act together and already had that plan in place, you know, junior <laughs> coming into their senior yeah. year. And I was a little behind the eight ball there. And honestly, it, it didn't seem all that um, enticing to me because I just... I wasn't a huge fan of high school as it was. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and to me, Mm -hmm. it didn't seem like the fast path to actually make money. And my parents would have been happy. And again, not, not, not putting them down. I mean, it's just, that's how they were raised, but they would have been very happy if I would have went and got a job at the post office or UPS and, and kind of built a career there And, and nothing against either one of those occupations. It's just, for me, I just I wanted something more. I didn't know what that was yet, but I wanted something more.
0: Mm. You're kind of the modern version of rich dad, poor dad. Remember that <laughs> you know whole. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you inspired me to do my own podcast, so I want to thank you for that. I I, I was a guest on yours and. I Thought, you know, that is a really great idea. And it's a great way to know, get to know people and share what you have with, you know, my listeners and etc. So thank you for encouraging me to do that. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, well,
1: congrats on the show. It's exciting yeah, thank that you, you finally are doing it. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, you have a book. I want to talk about your book. Yeah. And it's called Uh Well, in fact, you have it behind you. That's very smart. We should put my book. I guess my book. I have a book from uh also. We're not here to talk about my book, but I guess I'll I'll put mine out like that now too. That's it. You, got, you got to you got to put a couple yeah, that's layers on, right? I know, right? <laughs> so yours is called The Cash Flow Investor. Tell us about the book and why you wrote it. What what's what encouraged you to write a book? Yeah, no, no
1: absolutely. And you know <sighs> I've been doing my podcast for, for January it'd be nine years, which is crazy to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know it's been a long time. It kind of ages me a little bit. But so I've been doing the show for <laughs> nine years. I've been, you know, at this this business now for a little over two decades and you know went through the last cycle. Um, have gone through you know a litany of different asset classes along the way. Um, and then again with the podcast, I've interviewed now. I don't I don't know the total number, but I've probably interviewed eight or nine hundred people over the last nine years and some incredibly Successful um, investors and developers; those that have kind of paved their own way and and um, you know had their own unique strategic advantages. And so, um, the the book is really a compilation of not just my story and you know how I built my business, but also the stories of of all those that that I've interviewed over the years that have really had a major impact on on how I've run my business, um, assets that I've chosen to to invest in, and and you know how we just basically overall run our operation and. You know what's our overall investment philosophy, and so again, it's a compilation of all of the above, and then on top of that, um, I go into detail in the back, in the back of the book of, kind of uh, not necessarily the most profitable. But my fat, my five favorite asset classes um, th- that we that we uh, are invested in today, that we love today, and, um, and 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 why. And so I guess it's not a beginner's guide, it's not an advanced guide, it's somewhere in the intermediate level. It's got some beginner stuff there for those that are maybe looking for maybe that path or guiding light to. Get out, transition out. Of maybe smaller investments. Maybe they're just doing some single-family things and, and looking to play a bigger game. And so it's got a good guiding light for them. But then it's also got some good, uh, you know, good direction for those that are at the intermediate level that want to uh, maybe play an even bigger game or change asset classes or consider something that they had never considered before. So
0: yeah, well that that's really great. And so you mentioned the top five, uh, your preferred top five. And mm-hmm. Asset classes. So, what? Let talk to us about those. What are those? Yeah, like I had mentioned, mobile homes, mo- mobile home parks. Uh, so, we <laughs> yeah. own
1: manufacturer housing communities, and we have now, um, you know, for for over a decade, uh, you know, across the country, mostly northeast and the, in the southeast. Um, parking, parking assets, uh, w- which is a fairly um, recent endeavor for us. So, we've been buying parking assets for going on about four years now. So, uh, surface parking lots and and parking garages in very strategic locations. Uh, and so those are obviously two of our favorite being that that that's where we're invested mostly today. Uh, aside from that multifamily, you know, I've, I've got a lot of uh, of my own capital um, uh, throughout multifamily. I've always been a huge fan of multifamily for now, you know, two plus decades, not just since it's kind of been the, the flavor of, I guess, the, the last five years. Um, mm-hmm. uh, self storage, uh, self storage has just been an incredible investment. And uh, it's just been on an absolute rampage over the again, the past five years or so. And then uh, medical office. Um, you know, oh, not, not, not regular. Yeah, not regular office, uh, which is uh, in a completely different bucket. And uh, but but you know, specifically medical office. Those are my five favorite. Um, uh, that that I'm into. And then uh, the sixth one that I've kind of layered in there as well. That's kind of a bonus is assisted living. So assisted mm. care for mm-hmm. for the aging generation. Uh, we love that aspect. Yeah.
0: And being in that aging generation, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. So I've heard so much about how uh, a lot of people are now, you know, putting their money in the assisted living or, you know, probably medical offices along that same line, but yep. there will be, you know, a lot of need for that in the near future.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, abso- yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um...
0: so of those five, we'll, we'll stick with the five. It's really interesting. So mobile home parks, parking assets, we're working on a few of those also. And it's just Parking lots, stru- the ours are uh, multi tier kind of parking structures. Mm-hmm. And uh, you say multi family, self storage, and then medical office. How did those all fare during COVID? Different or?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, I guess it also depends on what market there. But I mean, just your know, multi family fared incredibly well. Mobile home parks fared incre- incredibly well. Assisted living fared incredibly well. Medical office fared incredibly well. Self storage. Yeah, like the, all of those did. The ones that actually, the, the one parking, um, got impacted pretty significantly, mm. but dependent on the market that you're in. So um, for example, uh, we, we own a fairly large asset. In fact, we bought it during COVID um, uh, here in, in Clearwater Beach, Florida. I'm based in the Tampa Bay area. Mm. It's in Clearwater Beach. It's a seven story parking deck uh, on Clearwater Beach, a block from the Gulf, a block from the intercoastal. Um, incredibly strategic location, um, really no room left to build on Clearwater beach. And during COVID everyone was finding their way down to Florida. And so while I had a few different lulls, um, uh, during the two years of COVID, um, it was, you know, a month here and then a month there, mostly like when we did mm. c- kind of reinstituted some of the lockdowns and, you know, um, the, the, me- the media was going crazy with the scare. Um, you, know, yeah. th- th- you saw a little bit of a lull, but generally speaking, it actually outperformed, um, for the majority of COVID from pre COVID numbers. So, um, but then you look at the same type of parking asset in a downtown Chicago or a New York city, um, quite the opposite, uh, quite the opposite. So it just really, it was really dependent on what markets, but all those other assets that I named fared incredibly well uh, during COVID.
0: And you probably, did, did you,
1: I forgot when you wrote the book, when was the book written? Yeah, we released it back in uh, I believe it was mid-April of this year. Um, I this started year? writing it three years ago. So,
0: well, okay. So, <laughs> so one so of my right questions of is: Did you pick these asset? I mean, did you? No. Okay, so these were your favorite? Yeah, these asset were. Yeah, I, I've, I've
1: had. My, I've had. I free. mean, obviously, parking and and uh, and mobile home parks. Yeah. It was it was pre-COVID, and then all those other assets that that we outlined there. I've I've got you know personal money, and I ha- I've had personal money invested in those for you know
0: yeah. five
1: plus years. Some of them, you know, ten or more years. So if you had to write, a, if you're writing that book today, would the I'd, five
0: I'd asset the classes same. be the same? You would? I'd well, keep, that's cool. Yeah, I keep that's the cool. same. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So we can't have a podcast on commercial real estate and not talk about recession, right? <laughs> so I don't know if it's here, if it isn't. I mean, we're not going to get into the politics of it, but how does the recession in your mind affect Any of these asset classes, or you in general, what do you think the recession is going to do here to commercial real estate in general?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, we can already see some of the initial impacts that it's having. um, You know, uh, know, more specifically from a debt side, Um, you know, transaction volume is is slowing down significantly uh, over the uh, over the last six months, and probably will continue um, as you know a lot of sellers' expectations really haven't readjusted. To you know what they might have looked like, um, you know last year or the, just the last two years in general. Um, you know the Fed's meeting again. I mean, that, you know rates rates are already pushing. Depending mm-hmm. on what type of debt you're talking about, I mean rates are already pushing seven percent. Um, you know a, I think agency loans are probably still. You could probably find something in the uh, the high fives with a you know class A type of asset, but um, we know that it's they're going to continually go upwards. And so um, I think as so long as you um, you've got a long term outlook um, and you really focus on on your capital stack, uh, your, your overall debt structure, the deals that you're buying today. And, um, you know, don't necessarily lie to yourself about, you know, double digit continued rent growth. If you're buying a multifamily or just, um, you know, that this might be a short lived recession over the next year or two, just really have that long-term outlook and, and, and structure your investments mm-hmm. as though, um, you're gonna have to hold them for the next five, seven, 10 years. I think you'll be just fine. And I think also mm-hmm. you're just having the necessary reserves in place. Um, going into this thing with the necessary reserves, uh, don't over-leverage yourself. I mean, we have I, I had a challenging time in 08, and so um, I'm probably more conservative than most. I probably passed on a lot of deals that would have turned out quite well over the last two or three years just from my conservative nature, but I don't really have an interest in going through another 2008 again. So with that being said, even even the type of debt that we look at, even prior to this recessionary period that we find ourselves in, we've been overly conservative. Our our average LTV across the board is about 63%. And so you know, we we try to keep a really low leverage point because ultimately at the end of the day, if if things really do get challenging and um, more than likely they will, especially when you start talking about residential housing, everyone needs affordable housing, but folks start losing jobs and getting pay cuts. They're gonna have a challenge um, You're know, paying their rent, and so I, I want to know that if our occupancies takes a dip, that we've still got you know a, a very solid debt coverage ratio, and uh, that that ultimately we can you know manage through the downtimes and some of the more challenging times. So I think as long as you've got your um, investment philosophy intact, and and you know just strict, strictly stay to the underlying fundamentals and buy assets that make sense based on just conservative economics, I think you'll be just fine. Now you know I think there's some caveats to that you know i don't know if i would be you know diving into buying office at this point mm-hmm, in time yeah, sure. um i i still like retail you know well located retail i'm i'm not opposed to retail at all um you'd mentioned that you have you've got some workouts going on with um with some maybe parking structures um uh, i'm assuming they're probably in some lar- you know larger CBDs, uh downtown you know downtown type core in, in, yeah. you know areas mm-hmm. and um I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be um, trying my hand at anything outside of your box, such as that. Uh, and even if, even if there's some distress coming into market on some of those assets, I'd probably still stick to the, again, this is just us, just the, the core fundamentals that you've built your business on what you're really good at and what you've excelled at over the last couple of years. I think you'll be just fine in the long run.
0: Very so. sage advice. And it's kind of all, you know, it's sort of funny because it's Every time you go to the doctor or something, you try to think of these magic solutions to make you just all fit. And it's all gets down to the same old darn stuff, which I hate, which is right. Eat right. And we're stay healthy and move. And you know, that your investment advice is, is absolutely right in line with all that sound advice we're given, right? Keep your debt low. And, and, uh,
1: and I think that, yeah, you know, that I think the it, challenging thing is there's a lot of capital out there still floating around. And so I think yeah. for, even for the last two years, it's been, it's been really easy to raise capital, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of a, a lot of investors and syndicators have not necessarily felt pressured, but, you know, the capital was there. And so I'm going to deploy it. The capital's there. I'm going to deploy mm-hmm. it. I think that you need, to, you need to just really take a step back and, again, take that longer term look um, at that at that investment vehicle that you're you know, looking at, right. at buying and ensure that um, it doesn't just work, you know, uh, on that pro forma for the next one to three years. But, you know, assuming that this could be a long lived recessionary period, I mean, look how long it took to truly truly start turning a quarter after 2008 i mean realistically like we didn't really see a lot of momentum until like 15 16 17 i mean seriously i mean like it took a long time um and and good for all those that bought in 2010 and 2011 but i mean it took a long time to really start regaining that momentum and we're in a different period of time today again you know there was a just a excess supply of, of housing back then that we had to kind of work our way through that's not the case today but um right. inevitably it just bottom bottom lines it took a long time to come out of there so again have that out that long-term outlook
0: smart smart absolutely um so you said you live in in uh, florida were you okay with the hurricane hurricane ian we Did were it i mean it was, oh.
1: it was supposed to hit us directly um yeah the, like, uh, oh. just, i'm about i literally as a crow flies like an eighth of a mile from uh, the gulf of mexico and so oh. uh we you know we prepared for the worst and um uh, fortunately we were we were spared but you know our neighbors just you know two hours to oh. the south uh, not not so much so yeah, yeah. So it was
0: really close oh gosh Yeah, well, i'm very, glad very you close. it all ended up yeah fine and i so you have two boys i have two boys also but you've got jackson and julian how old are they
1: six and nine they, do, they both six are October babies yeah they both <laughs> just uh turned six and then oh nine. how cute
0: yeah oh that's cute mine are oh, much 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 that's fun actually well, um, we've covered like all the things I had that I wanted to talk to you about. Is there anything else you'd like to, um, there's probably things I didn't ask you that you'd love to get out. I, I would encourage anybody listening to, uh, go buy your book. I think it's very insightful and I I did read it and I, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, but anything else you'd like to leave everybody with uh, Kevin before we log off here?
1: No, no, I, I think just again, um, just, uh, you know, look at these next couple of years as a as an opportunity for you to, to really get focused on the operation side of your business this is really speaking to those that are actually already, you know, in the business at present time. I think this is now a time to really, you know, batten down the hatches, make sure that your systems and processes are are in place and tight um, and, and just really focus on. You know, like we're being in the, in the in the in the residential space. Like, focus on the. You should always focus on the customer experience, but I mean, you really need to put an emphasis on, um, you know, just retaining the the residents that you have or retaining the tenants that you currently have, and just again, um, ensure that your current assets can make it through and weather the storm. And then anything that you're going to look at buying here um, over the next year or couple of years, just be, be incredibly conservative with it and ensure that you've got your your debt structure in place and that it will ultimately carry you through the next, you know, five plus years if need be. So
0: Right. It's all, it's not unlike some of the, mental and physical things you've got to do when you hear a hurricane is coming right for you right you got to batching down the hatches like you said and make sure That's you it. got food to live a little bit and That's you know it. all that so this is all longer term of course but it's very similar to what you just described so well really enjoyed my time with you thank you so much kevin um and we'll look forward to doing this again soon thank and you i gotta have
1: you back on my show as well so thank you for having me and it's been a lot of I'd fun i'd be on,
0: here. honored to anytime absolutely Thank you.